If I had a thought in my mind that I wanted to share with Kat, brain, mouth, out to her instantly. I wasn't aware of if she was ready to hear it, if she had just gotten home from work and was frazzled. If I had a thought, I would call her if she wasn't home. Hey, let's talk about this thing. Now I'm like, let me journal it. Let me think about it. Maybe I'm going to sleep on it, look at it the next day, see if she is available, kind of get her consent to talk to her about it and share it with her. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 271. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an interview with EJ and Kat, who were originally on our podcast back on episode 19, so in the early days, summer of 2018, we talked to them. Yeah, so it's been almost five years. We'll, we'll call it five. We'll round up to five. It sounds more four, dramatic. Four and a half, yeah. Since since we last talked to them, and so this conversation, you don't need to have listened to episode 19 in order to get a ton out of this conversation. We've we've determined you could either listen to this one first and then go back and listen, or you can listen to that one and then come to this one. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It is an amazing conversation and we're super excited to, oh, you go. To to talk to them. Yeah. I was just going to say, as you can imagine, a lot has happened. I mean, think about where the world was in 2018 versus now and what has happened between then. <laughs> oh, oh, but it's not then. It, no. it's, it's currently now. It's currently now. So part of what we talk about is their transition from swinging to polyamory, and not that maybe one of those has been completely eliminated, but it's a great conversation about that transition. We also talk a lot about the impact that the pandemic did have on their relationship. We talk about boundaries. We talk mm-hmm. about bandwidth. We talk about ass culture and guest culture, spontaneous desire responsive. We talk about a lot of stuff. You know why? Because they're awesome. That too. <laughs> also, as EJ talks about, he's made a huge career shift in the last five years and is now a licensed master social worker and does therapy and coaching in the relationships and non-monogamy and all of that. Mm-hmm. And he references some workshops that Emma and I attended. Well, one workshop that we've attended so far. Yes. And there's more coming. There are. So the workshop that we attended, there's links in the show notes. You can get there anyway. It's not an affiliate link. We're not being paid to promote this, but we loved the workshop. It was excellent. And it was co-hosted by another former guest Yes, from episode eight. Yes. Formerly known as Samantha, currently known as Rachel. Yes. <laughs> and so, again, also an incredible episode and an incredible human and incredible work that they're doing. Yeah. And just a quick note, the upcoming workshops are on February 11th, 2023. And these are intimacy workshops, by the way. Yes. And April 1st. So more information, links in the show notes. And we also talk about it in this episode some more. But we just wanted to throw those dates out there so you had them in the back of your mind, too. Yeah. So again, a wonderful conversation with these two. Thank you to both of them for coming on and sharing everything. Links to everything that we talk about will be in the podcast show notes on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. 
And for anybody who is a premium subscriber, we're going to jump right into the conversation right meow. Mm-hmm. And for the rest of you, we've got some fun announcements. First up, if you're Hold not- Hold on. Keep them extra fun. I extra promise fun. fun. Okay, I promise fun. fun. Make them fun. <laughs> I don't know how to make the premium subscription announcement fun. Um, anyway, if you're not familiar with a premium subscription, you can go sign up. It is super fun to sign up, like the process, right? Like it's not bad. I don't know. What's the process? <laughs> go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the links on our homepage. You get to skip these announcements up front, but don't worry. You still get in- important community dates and announcements at the end. I'm checking the fun meter. That was a fun meter of two. Yeah, I didn't nail it too much. Okay, next up. Well, the process itself, it wasn't you. And the process is just, I mean, it's just like a sign-up form. It would have been a fun meter zero if you hadn't made it so fun. The, the other you fun- brought it from a zero to a two. Okay, That's good. amazing. <laughs> the, the other fun part is that it does support the show, and we appreciate it very much. That is true. Uh, next up, we have a virtual meet and greet tomorrow. That is January 19th, 2023. Uh, we have one in the evening, Thursday evening. Well, depending what time zone you're in. It's our Thursday evening. (laughs) On the West Coast. (laughs) On the West Coast in the United States. But it's January 19th. These are super fun. To sign up, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community events tab. Fun meter, 12. Well, yes, for the event itself. Correct. The announcement got a seven. Okay. Nail it. All right. Next up. (laughs) Your turn. No, no. Okay, next up, um, if you're out there looking, well, I should rephrase, the meet and greets, just to be extra super clear, the meet and greets, virtual meet and greets that we have on January 19th, and we'll also have one in February, these are open to anyone, you just must be open-minded and respectful. Outside of that, we also have a community, an online community that we have been growing. We are so grateful for everyone who is part of this amazing community. We have an in-person community-only event coming up on January 28th, the weekend of January 28th in a few weeks in the San Francisco Bay Area. If you're in the area or you want to come travel, we would love to see you. Um, More information is available in the community, but we have lots of fun things planned and we would love to see you there. So go sign up. Find out more on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community tab. And by the way, the community itself is only five bucks a month. With that, you get access to our online virtual platform. It's a lot of ongoing chats, lots of different subjects. You get monthly Q&As and a monthly men's group and a women's group. Yeah, so it's not just in person. If you join and you can't make the in-person event, there is tons of virtual uh, funness. And access. Yeah, fun level 27,000. Yes. And no excuses not to come in person. We we have somebody flying all the way from Shanghai. Uh, yeah, so pretty much you can't beat that. So your excuses just became invalid. <laughs> anyway, we still love you, and we would love to have you join the community. We'll hope to see you there. Again, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community tab, and you will learn everything you need to know how to join, and we would love to have you. Yes. The last thing, also well done on that with the fun meter, was just through the roof. Nailed it. Yeah. The last thing we have to talk about is actually going to blow the fun meter apart. Because <laughs> what's more fun than getting tested for STIs? I have not found anything in my life, Emma, especially when I use the service stdcheck.com, which is the way that you and I both get tested because it's so fucking fun. Oh, yeah. Frankly. Yeah. Yeah. We don't even, <laughs> we don't, we're not even worried. We just do it because it's fun. <laughs> 
But anyway, the whole point is it's fast, it's easy, it is fun, and you save $10 if you use the links on our website and you support the show financially, bringing the cost of your test and fun down to $129, and you get your results usually in about 24 to 48 hours texted to you and then you go to your online portal and right there you can show them to anyone and everybody that you want to go and have fun with yes so the theme of today's intro is fun that was a fun meter of seventy-seven thousand four hundred. <laughs> wow that beat out everything else that's why i said it was going to happen <laughs> wow it's it's easy when you judge yourself oh, yeah you, they can can just, real, you can just yeah, make up numbers skew the numbers yeah, yeah. i mean sti's testing is super super freaking important and fun and fun. And the last thing you can do is reach out to us at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You click on the contact us tab and you can send us a fun voicemail or a fun email and we will send you a fun reply back. Yes. And we will let you judge the funness meter of those events. Yes. All right. <laughs> activities, activities. Activities. And with that, let's go talk to EJ and Kat. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Kat and EJ. We're so excited for an update. We talked to you back way at the beginning of our podcast, episode 19. It's been quite some time and we can't wait to dig into everything. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us again. Yes, this is exciting. Thank you. Yeah, we're pumped. This is, I think, the the record of largest gap between first and first episode and follow-up episode. So we're I'm sure nothing has happened, but <laughs> do you, do you mind giving us a little bit of flavor of what what were Kat and EJ's lives like when we recorded in the spring of 2018? Wow! Maybe where where was the journey up till that point? And yeah. I know we all spoiler that we all listened to the episode, so we all kind of remember. <laughs> I when when I listened to it, I was like, oh, we sound so young and fresh and a little naive <laughs> still. You know, um, there's been some uh, world-changing events <laughs> in between. A few. A few. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just remember thinking, oh, how cute. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, for me, I, when I listened to it again, I'm like, okay, there was a little bit of a spoiler alert where we kind of hinted at my age. And so I feel that <laughs> I'm in a different space now from being in my early 40s when we did the math in the last episode too yeah i am now putting my feet into entering the late 40s and so hearing that going oh yeah i agree with myself back then but the stuff i was agreeing back then was like or like abstract this sounds good now i've kind of lived it in that last four and a half years and some adjustments some global pandemics in between so i uh remember seeing the date that it was posted and forgetting that, oh yeah, we did record it just a little bit before that. So for me, I know a big shift was when we recorded that, I was starting to look on the horizon of, hey, I'm about to retire from a 20-year career that defined my 20s and 30s. And I was figuring out what I was going to do, but it hadn't happened yet. And so in these four and a half years since, I have now been fully immersed in an entirely new career, which has impacted how I see non-monogamy, but I think in a better way and in a, a way that kind of validates some of the stuff we talked about. Yeah, and definitely excited to talk about that and, and kind of weave it in. I know we'll get we'll get into it in a bit because it's it's exciting. And we were on your workshop this past weekend, so yeah. we, we have a bit of a flavor of it. I would say on our end, it was 
really cringeworthy to go back and listen to ourselves four <laughs> years ago. And we're like, well, we had to start somewhere. But uh, the, even what you just brought up, like, I remember listening to me, like, trying to guess your age. And I'm like, what was I doing? <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up this morning, EJ. Thank you. I, I needed that. I, don't, I embrace it now. My age. I mean, Excellent. When Excellent. We, when we did this originally, I wasn't even 40 yet. So <laughs> to go from my thirties to my forties, there's been some changes there as well, too. Yeah, sure. Perfect. Well, I'm excited to hear about them all. And so backing up when we last recorded, you were a couple of years into a transition from more of a casual swinging dynamic to deeper connections and polyamory. Do you mind talking a little bit, just high level, maybe over a couple of minutes, what that journey, how you two got even into non-monogamy, got, got to that transition point and coming out of that transition point. And maybe we can kind of pick up from there. And Emma's about to say something. I'm just going to add like <laughs> kind of just a relationship overview of like how long you've been together type, mm -hmm. type thing would be helpful too, just in case anyone hasn't listened to that episode 19. We are about to celebrate our 19th wedding anniversary but we were together for two years before that yes um probably one of the world's fastest uh engagements proposal engagement marriage same day yeah <laughs> i i i i uh i had a little tiny tiny window of like i had a few days to go visit her because there were a lot of times where we were like living kind of long distance and i uh was like, I'm going to take a chance. I think she's going to say yes. And so because I was only going to be in San Francisco for like three days for us to visit each other, I'm like, I'm going to book a little appointment slot at San Francisco City Hall. So she says yes. I'm like, well, guess what? You know, let's 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 make this happen. <laughs> and she said yes and yes. And there was a beautiful whirlwind. And to date how far back this was, there was a big party at San Francisco City Hall where they pumped in snow covering all around the outside of San Francisco City Hall for a party for the incoming brand new mayor, Gavin Newsom. Wow. wow. And uh, we're like, oh, yay, look, they're decorating for our little... It was really pretty. Yeah. Like, big <laughs> trees yeah. and everything. Yeah. So it was really nice. And I had just proposed to her hours earlier at Golden Gate Park. So um, that's just a little bit about us reflecting because I know... But and I think at that point we'd already we'd already gone to some swinging events. Yeah. So it wasn't, that was something we were already involved with when we got married. Yes. Yeah. Which reflecting on that story, I told her about, Hey, when, when you've met me, that these are some of the things I do. What are your thoughts? And she's like, okay, interesting. And then, then she dove into it. And at that point we hadn't quite hit a burnout yet. That was probably still a couple years away. But, mm -hmm. but prior to that, she had met a guy who already had about five years experience from literally 20 years old until she met me in my mid twenties. And I also realized now, like we joked in the, the, la the last episode four and a half years ago. Yep. I'm at the age now of the, the couple who were like, Hey, <laughs> EJ, you want to go to this party? And I'm like, Oh, sure. You know? you know, I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh man, they were probably only in their thirties. The people that you're like, oh, they're so much older than me. Yeah, the the older couple who right. invited you out. Denmark's <laughs> older. Mm -hmm. They were probably only in their like mid mid early to mid late thirties, somewhere in there. And 
Now but, we'd be like, oh, look how young and cute they are. <laughs> yeah. But but I definitely look back at 2015, 2016, and then into 2017 as a lot of compressed learning as we went. And even 2018 and 2019 were still learning, but it was a different kind of learning. Yeah, like 2015 is when we transitioned from doing purely swinging to more of the more poly life for yeah. ourselves. Yeah. And then like, it was more separate rather than together. About three years in. Yeah. 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 And then I would say 2018 and 2019 were learning how to just have this depth of a relationship, multiple relationships where it, it, they just got, the relationships got deeper and deeper. And then the pandemic came and then there was a whole other lesson of life, not just about non-monogamy. And then I would say this year has been slowly learning how to come back out of it. Just not just non-monogamy life in general, it maybe some kind of new measured pace. So yeah, I think that's the timeline. Yeah. I would say that yeah. between the two of us, you've probably had a bigger growth. Um, I've been kind of level and haven't really changed much. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but EJ really has. Had, yeah. Had, yeah. Talking about the last, like, four, since we last talked. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Especially since the pandemic. I think the pandemic really changed a lot of things in his mind for himself. And then he had to do some more adjusting when things started coming back to normal. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I guess there would be three phases. The I'm in a new career after 20 years of being indoctrinated into a certain kind of life. Professionally. Then the pandemic, which feels like a blur of over two years. And then now this third phase of, okay, where am I now that things are kind of mm -hmm. quasi coming back to normal this last year for me? Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. Well, I, I'd love to maybe dig in as a starting point, picking up almost the baton where we, where we left. And you, you just kind of touched on, like it was figuring out how to have deeper and deeper and deeper connections. And then they just kind of kept getting deeper. And I think that's something you know, we, we've transitioned ourselves in the last four years into a polyamorous dynamic as well. So we, we got to do that through the pandemic. That was spectacular. And so um, the I guess the thought there is just ha having a little different frame, um, frame of mind for ourselves, understanding that that transition of going deeper and deeper and deeper into a connection, that's a really interesting thing to then learn how to balance with your existing partnership because you're you're giving more and more and more of your time and energy and we can all say well our hearts just grow and expand and we have more love and yeah we don't love one son better than our other son or one grandparent more than another grandparent but well maybe sometimes but the <laughs> you know generally speaking we we expand but we don't expand the amount of time we have in the day so how how did that experience go for the two of you as you grew through that going deeper and deeper and deeper and man maintaining your marriage. Um, so I, I think we touched on it with the therapy the last time that we didn't really stop doing. It's still something we're consistently doing. That's been super helpful. But I think when we last talked, I just started seeing a new guy. So it wasn't mm -hmm. really an in-depth in thing. And I'm still seeing him now. So, um, it became, um, mm -hmm. more of an in-depth thing as time went on, but it, 
definitely, I always like to joke that I'm really shallow, <laughs> that things, I don't really get deep into things. So when it does happen, it's, it, it's unexpected and a little deeper than I'm, than I prepared myself for. Um, but with, uh, EJ, we had a little bit of a rough 2019, even with therapy, it was, uh, everything was kind of coming to a head and then 2020 happened and it really made us reevaluate a lot of our own selves. I was having a really rough time and I was kind of taking it out on him, um, unrelated to Polly, but it did affect our, our lives and, 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 and our, our dating and everything. So I'm much better now, but it, it did right before the pandemic happened, things were, things were kind of messy. So, um, yeah, the pandemic became this, uh, forcing function that I guess made us, uh, make, uh, lemonade out of the lemons that were already existing. And then the lemons that the pandemic brought us, we mm-hmm. kind of came closer together mm-hmm. and, uh, it really just forced us to have more time. There was a lot less things. There were a lot less things we could do. There's just a lot. So in a way, those things that maybe I wouldn't call them distractions, but we just they just weren't available for us anymore. All these events, all these other things we were joyfully doing, it forced us to have just a little bit more moment of self-reflection or reflection on our relationship. And I think we came out of it a little bit better. And I feel that if there wasn't a pandemic, there's a chance where we would have been slower in focusing in on some of the things that we needed to translate yeah. with each other yeah letting ourselves get distracted by the things instead of yeah. focusing on each other yeah can you talk but a little bit more I, about that I, about that process or go for it what i didn't mean to interrupt you well, well i was gonna say that for me i would say i dove so into understanding absorbing um the concepts that came with my new career as a a clinical social worker that I uh, needed, almost needed the pandemic and then working in the pandemic for that next year or two to kind of understand the things that were abstract concepts when we had our last podcast. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But now I understand it more. And I think one of the big things for me is I I remember hearing in our podcast, we're like, oh, yeah, I think we call them boundaries. I remember kind of laughing that we were like trying to think of what the word was. And now it's like probably a word that is first month of almost all my clients were going over their boundaries. And one of the biggest boundaries is difficult, monogamous or non-monogamous, is time boundaries. And the thing that I mentioned, I'm like, don't feel bad if you don't have healthy time boundaries. Healthy time boundaries are difficult to have this like perfectly color-coded balanced Google calendar where you're giving enough time to sleep, enough time to yourself, enough time to your kids or your pets or your partner, enough time to work. That's really hard. And a lot of us have porous boundaries. We can't say no to our boss. We can't say no to our partner. We can't say no to our kids or whatever it is. And we're like left on the short end of the stick. But I also have seen it the other way around where we are the kid in the candy store for a moment. And we might have rigid boundaries. Ooh, I'm all excited. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. 
And then somebody else is left with a short end of the stick, whether it's another partner or our own sleep or, or whatever it is. And so I think I was able to understand as we entered the pandemic and during the pandemic, the things that I wasn't taking into account that are boundary pullers. And so, for example, not every relationship is the same. Not every person is the same. Some dynamics are going to pull bandwidth more. We don't notice it. Or a relationship starts a certain way and maybe it's kind of chill, not a whole lot of a bandwidth pull, or it's like a bandwidth increaser. It's like giving you energy. And then over time, things change about what people need in the relationship. And I was able to kind of realize that. And like for me, from 2015, when we started transitioning into polyamory, until 2018, 2019, I, for example, didn't have a lot of bandwidth pull from my work, my profession. I was kind of in this like retirement mode. Hey, I'm about to retire. Don't got a whole lot to do. And then all of a sudden, I like, oh, now I'm doing a job I love, but a job that is definitely pulling my bandwidth. It was a new partner. And so I think understanding we have a lot of other things in our life that our partners taking from our bandwidth. And I didn't understand that as clearly back in 2018. And so that really impacts. And I think I am, I can give more informed consent to somebody going, Hey, this is how much energy I've got to give to you. Or how much energy are you looking for in a connection with somebody? So we can see if we're in a, a fit. And that probably wasn't even on my radar in 2016, 2017. And so sometimes that created connections that weren't sustainable for both people's available bandwidth. Well, and, and yeah. going back to boundaries, I think my definition of what a boundary is, is has changed because it, it, back then, I think we felt more like boundaries were rules for our partner. But mm -hmm. really a boundary is rules I have for myself that I will say this is what I'm comfortable with. And if you're not comfortable with, I understand that. But that is that's something I need to work on more than something that I need you to do to fix because I'm uncomfortable. So yeah. that definitely yes. wasn't something I really understood four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a super hard concept because a lot of, I think a lot of times people hear the the way that we we try to describe boundaries is a and and you kind of just said it too mm -hmm. is a boundary is something that you place on yourself not something you place on somebody else so i you know i don't stay up past 9 p.m. on weeknights right so you you can try and you can push on me but i'm not going to do that and then if you are constantly like running up against that boundary right that gives me something to question like why why can't you respect this thing that i've told you i need I need this much sleep and that means I need to go to bed at this time. And if that, and if this other person's like, well, I want to stay up till 11 every night and watch this show with you. Okay. Well, if that's a need you have, and my need is this, like maybe we aren't a good fit right now in this phase of our lives. And it, and it almost can come across as an ultimatum, but it's really just you saying like, no, this is what I need for me to protect me. And sure, there's some flex here and there, but largely this is, this is, what I'm doing. And I'm not saying you have to go to bed at nine. I'm saying I'm going to bed at nine and you can do whatever you want, but it's not going to be with me unless it's laying next to me in bed while I'm asleep at nine 30. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's not something that made sense to me four years ago. 
And because I think we were still, I was still learning a lot mm -hmm. about myself. And I think I didn't, and I didn't, I wouldn't say it's a problem, but in 2015, 2016, I didn't see it as a problem to stretch my boundaries to accommodate somebody. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's still fine. But now I think I understand my like right and left limits a bit more. So mm -hmm. like, for example, I'm, I'm just a kind of a person who likes my time a little bit more structured. Well, a little bit of spontaneity is okay, but not really my thing. So my preference is, hey, partner, I kind of would like to us for us to confirm what our plans might be by X amount of time. Totally valid. If I meet somebody who goes, you know what? I don't really know what I want to do this weekend until like Friday afternoon. That's just me. I'm like, that's cool. Our boundaries might be kind of different here. So we might only fit in this kind of context. Back in the day, I would have been, okay, that's fine. And over time, that probably would have created some strain because I wasn't yeah. hearing or, you know, respecting my own boundaries. Yeah. 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 And in some ways, uh, those types of situations, situations can create resentment too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yep. and I think that's a great, a great example because it's a little, I guess maybe a little more practical than the one I sent, sent earlier. But I think what's interesting there is you can like to find a happy medium would be maybe something like, well, okay, I hear you. It'd be really great if we could have that plan by Wednesday. Mm -hmm. If we can't have it by like maybe Thursday, I might make plans for this weekend. And so you're ha welcome to wait until Friday afternoon, but understand that I might be busy at that point because for whatever reason, I like to have my plan short up by Thursday. So if we could do it Wednesday, great. If it's not till Friday, great. But understand that when you ask, I might not be available anymore. Exactly. And I think I'm doing better now, especially these last few years, at realizing that's not a personal slight for either of us. Mm -hmm. We just yeah. see XYZ a little differently. And mm -hmm. so, for example, I know with Kat, there was probably times three, five years ago where if our boundary didn't match, I wouldn't like slow down mentally to think about it and I'd take it personally. And so mm -hmm. now I'm kind of like, okay. You know, like we don't always have to see a thing the same as long as we're slowing down enough to understand that and not personalize a boundary mismatch, so to speak. Right. And I, okay. So I still have the, the lot, the partner that I've, I've been seeing for the last four years, but I just recently kind of started seeing someone else and they are really bad with time management. Um, it's more of a, you know, Hey, it's eight o'clock on a Friday. Are you busy? Yes. Usually I am busy. On, yeah. yeah. Uh, by that time on eight o'clock on a Friday, if it's either that or I'm going to bed. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a self-limiting kind of, uh, arrangement, you know, so it's not going, it's probably not going to go in the same direction that my other partner has where we see each other pretty consistently once a week, same day, every week. It's, it's a set kind of uh, set. It's a set appointment we have with each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I think when, when life is super busy is reasonable, right? Like you're, you're like yeah. you said, like I might be available on Friday night at eight o'clock, but 
like you're you're taking a you're you're playing the lottery at that point right. and and that's okay but understand that i'm like i'm not just gonna remember like well probably gonna get a text at eight o'clock on friday so i'm just gonna keep all of friday evening open for this person and i'm gonna throw away my ability to do anything for myself because they might text me or they might not and so it's not really fair for you to clear your schedule and i don't know if fair is the right word but it, if if that's not something you want to do then you don't need to clear your schedule just to hold it open for that person who who's not wanting to sort of meet you and and plan in the way that like works for you. Yeah. Another thing when I was listening to our interview from 2018 was that some of the things we were saying we also didn't have the language we have now. So there were times where Kat was saying something I'm like she's talking about guest culture. She's talking about ask culture, which was something that we went over in the workshop. So I'm thinking like, oh, I just remember talking about this in that workshop on Saturday. And that is one thing that we both understand in each other and don't take personally. Sometimes we will have hiccups because I am very ask culture. And I was raised very guest culture. Very, 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 very passive aggressive uh, nothing is direct. It's all hinted at kind of, uh, way I was raised. So it's been a long road for me to try to meet him because it, it's, it, it's healthier for me to go that direction than for him to try to come to my direction. And for me to yeah. slow down and remember, sometimes I am unintentionally steamrolling or putting somebody in a corner by what I think is, hey, I'm just asking you something. Not realizing, oh, I feel really uncomfortable if I say no, so I better say yes. Because that, that doesn't even register in my radar for for me. So Because you would never do that. You would <laughs> never just say yes because someone's asking you. you. You would definitely have to think about it before you said yes and not worry about disappointing the other person. I'm so comfortable saying no that I forget that that is something that's really uncomfortable for people. And for yeah. sure. when we did our podcast four or five years ago, I kind of understood it abstractly, but I understand it much more. I think we both understand it in each other much more now than we did four or five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mind just really quickly describing the ask and guest culture so that sure. our listeners can yeah. understand? Even even with like a quick example would be probably yeah. the easiest. So an ask culture person, let's say they need to um, borrow $10 from somebody. They might go up to another ask culture person and say, Hey, I, I lost my wallet and I have to go get this thing. Can I borrow 10 bucks? And if the per other person says, no, I don't got it. They're like, okay, cool. No problem. But if they go to a guest person, the guest person might give it to them, even if they don't have it, because they might feel like they're kind of put on the spot or a guest culture person. If they need to borrow the $10, instead of asking directly, might hit, hit, hint around it. Oh yeah. So, um, I lost my wallet the other day. I gotta, gotta, I gotta go pay for this thing and they're not going to ask they're hoping the other person reads the cues you know and offers and offers and if and if they go and, and the ask culture person might think okay that's a bummer they're not asking me for anything okay man that's a bummer and walk away and the, and, and the guest culture person might go oh gosh i guess they don't want to give me let me the money and i feel bad about it whereas another guest culture person who can read their cues already knows Ah, they're giving me the subtle hints and cues for the ask. And so that was kind of a, a bad example. 
uh, an example, I'll share one more example really quick is asking for a ride at the airport. Somebody might go, yeah, so I got to go to the airport on Sunday. I got to be there by this certain time. And the person go, oh, cool. Where are you going? Oh, I mean, I'm going to Miami. Okay. Have a great trip. And not realize that they were hinting at it. Whereas the guest ask culture person might go, Hey, I'm, I need to be at the airport by 10 o'clock on Saturday. Could you give me a ride? It just be really straightforward. Neither way is right or wrong. A lot of times it's how we're programmed, how we grow up. And an ask culture and ask culture person is usually black and white. You get it. And hopefully, ask culture people won't, don't have an emotional attachment to the outcome. You can't give me a ride? No problem. Guest culture has so many different nuances. You have to like read so many different cues that even two guest culture people could be on different pages. And you throw that into multiple relationships and polycules, you're going to have misfires. I see it all the time. So that's kind of... Well, luckily, we don't show. see it in our relationship. I was like, we live that all of the time, I feel like, <laughs> and and talk to people all of the time about it. <laughs> yeah. I, this is one, and I don't know that this is a healthy approach, but it's fun sometimes, which I'll know exactly what she's trying to ask for, but I refuse to do it until she asks for it because she'll start like, are you, are you busy this afternoon? I'm very I'm like, much like cat. <laughs> am I busy this afternoon? Yes. Oh. And then it's like, sorry, you, what would you want? Like you, you wanted something and you, instead of just asking for the thing, you start, we play 20 questions and that's what I, I, I'll get to a point. Sometimes I'm like, why are we playing 20 questions? What's the thing you're actually asking for? Oh, well, I was just asking if you could bring me a, a, a seltzer water out of the fridge. I'm like, Right. We, you could be halfway done drinking that by now if we had just asked for it, you know, seven minutes ago and we started the game. But we're learning and we, we're figuring it out, too. And it's not something that like no one ever teaches you this shit. No. It is something that I would say. I didn't really understand how to like have a radar about it with a connection. Mm-hmm. I would say now in this last year or two, that is almost something that's like would be part of the initial getting to know somebody, figuring out what is their culture? I don't want to change them to an asker, but I understand if they are a guesser, I might want to give them options when I ask a question instead of a yes or no mm-hmm. to pull yeah. out of where they're coming from. And so like, for example, a lot of my clients say when it comes to sex, I am really guest culture and I get really uncomfortable if somebody's really direct with me. Or on the flip side, they might be very ask culture in this one area where they're like, Hey, I've had some past trauma. I really need you to be clear and direct with me and tell me exactly what you want, or I'm going to get really anxious of the unknown coming up. Mm-hmm. So it can really vary. I have a lot yeah. of people who are like, I'm gung ho, ask direct at work and everywhere. Oh, but when it comes to the bedroom, I switch gears here. So I think it helps to learn that about, about people early on. So you know, kind of what you're investing in each other, your relationship is going to have more depth. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know there's like a lot of online quizzes or like online quizzes to like figure out what you are or this, is it just something that you kind of know about yourself? I, I think it really depends on the context because some people can be asked in some relationships and guess in others. So I really think it's just being intentional, like slowing down, I would say. Because I love doing those online quizzes and like figuring things out about myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think I feel like this is one of those where you can just ask your partner, like, "Hey, 
guest culture and ass culture are both they just are. fine. They're, well, and I, I want to make that clear too. Navigate like, them. This this is too on me, right? Is the asker or I'm yes, I'm more of the asker versus the guesser too. Like I can translate a lot of the things, and I can see when she's going down this path of I'll get like four or five questions about something, and I'm like. I'll, I'll, I really, at this point I do help out. I'm like, what are you, what are we doing? Like, what are you trying to get at? Because I can see you're stuck and you're, you're, for whatever reason, you don't want to ask for the thing. So what are we, what are we doing? And we can usually cut through a lot of that. And some days I'm feeling playful and I'm like, nah, I'm just going to make her work for it because, you know, we'll, we'll do it that way today. So, and, but it's not always on her, right? I also have to recognize that me being direct, like you said, can be off-putting. And so, you know, meeting each other in the middle is often where we do land, um, but can still have fun with it. I think the topic can be a bit playful discussion when both partners are curious and calm and rested and can have that dialogue, not in the middle of a, a conflict. Yeah. But yeah. I, I know the the big uh, thing, the other thing that I, I've, I've heard people say before is that an ass culture person sometimes can see guest culture as why are they being so shady and they take it personal and they like, why can't they just come direct and tell me? And then the guest culture people have told me, Hey, that ass culture person seems like a bully and so pushy. Mm -hmm. And so I think just both being calm and understanding the differences and not personalizing it. And that's one thing that I think I've gotten better at is not personalizing it and realizing, Hey, mm -hmm. we just have different language that we're using here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and I think for me, the big realization was just that other people do things differently than me. And I think that's a big one because I used to, I would get frustrated, like, why can't you just ask? And it's like, well, okay, I get it. You, you mm -hmm. just, we just do it different. And that's given me a lot of like ability to pause and, and not get as frustrated about it. You know, to your point though, if you're in the middle of something heated or stuff's going fast and you need, and you're like, I just wanted to move through this and be on to the next thing because it's a busy day. And instead you're, you're caught in this cycle. Then it, then I know I get a little bit triggered on it and I start to like, just, just ask. <laughs> it's more than me just having, for example, to translate cat, I'd have to translate another partner and mm -hmm. their partner and her partner and anyone that's a missing link could lead to this like explosion in the polycule where oh, your boyfriend said this and and having an assumption that they meant something when it really it was like a guess or they asked me something. How could they, you know? So I think it's just layers and layers of exponential understanding that's helpful if everybody kind of slows down. And we all understand everyone's mm -hmm. where everyone's actually coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great point. Yes. So there was a little bit of learning there. You know? <laughs> I was like, we, we, went, we went down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I think it's yeah. super important discussion. So thank you for diving into that a little bit. Yeah. It, it, the, the, a lot of the concepts that he teaches and like shares with people, I found really helpful. And he, he does share, he's in a book club and he does share a lot of the readings and stuff with me. So I kind of understand what he's talking about <laughs> that's so funny so I, I don't want to bad mouth other books but i remember there were two books mentioned in the podcast four and a half five years yes. ago that i'm yeah. like now going those are not the books that would be at the top of our list anymore but back then that's kind of all we had 
And oh, there's been an explosion of books. And so I will, I, I don't, I don't, I'll get pay, I don't get paid for this, but there are books that have come out since then that I would feel are much more affirming and give much more patience and space for people that are exploring non-monogamy. You probably have already heard of Polysecure. Mm-hmm. My book club is like, yes, we stamp. We like that one. And another one just came out this summer that we like. And it isn't only for the people of the title, but the book is called The Anxious Person's Guide to Non-Monogamy. And it just came out a few months ago. And so far, our book club of therapists who work with kinky and poly non-monogamous kind of world clients, um, we're like, yeah, we like this one. It's approachable. It's not too preachy. It, It gives some space. And so we're seeing that a lot now, that there's a lot more compassion and patience given instead of this is the way you should be non-monogamous. There's a, hey, we're all going to kind of find our way and, you know, give patience with it. And so that I feel has changed. I want to say in 2018, we were about to enter that world of, of, hey, let's have some kindness and some compassion and patience. And I want to say we entered polyamory where a lot of the discussions were, hey, this is how we should do it. And so I think that is one shift. There's a lot, there's a lot more out there. There's a lot more podcasts, in, including mm-hmm. yours, that I think are giving people more, giving people like just, they're going to feel better about themselves that it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to kind of yeah. learn. And we're not really being preached to on how to do it a certain way. Yeah. Podcasts. And we still have our social group. Um, it took a break over the pandemic, obviously, because we didn't want anybody trying to socialize with each other. We did have some online social things um, a couple times during the pandemic. It did take a break, though. We didn't... We all got Zoom fatigue. Yeah, everyone was tired of looking at everybody on screens. Mm -hmm. Um, But we recently brought it back in person, and it's been pretty pretty popular. We had about 30-something people at our last... um, In-person event. In-person social discussion group. Um, and when it was about, you know, making poly friendships, it wasn't just, you know, specific to dating. Um, and it was, it was really nice. Yeah. To, to, and we had people from Delaware, people from Virginia coming all the way to Maryland. So it's, it's something people are really looking for is that social educational thing right now. Me setting healthy time boundaries though. I only have so much time now to help help co-facilitate it. So I have a lot more of my friends who are helping out and colleagues helping out run it. And we're only doing events at about half the pace that we used to. It used to be like once or twice a month we do something. Now it's like every other month, roughly. So we are slowly getting back into things, but things are at a slower pace than they were four years ago. Um, and every other month we have a guest speaker who helps co-facilitate. Like she mentioned, this last one was about, hey, making poly friends. Um, two months ago, it was my colleague we did the workshop with um, and did one about how your spontaneous or responsive desire can be impacted with polyamory. Uh, we have a colleague next month doing one about like different structures and styles of relationships. Uh, later this coming in 2023, we're doing one about uh, safer sex practices by a uh, medical professional and then we're doing one on compersion. So it's coming back, but at like half the speed of pre pandemic. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, it's amazing. And I'm excited that that resource is out there. And again, we're going to, we'll get links and we'll put mm-hmm. stuff in the show notes so people in that area can find it. It sounds like it's fairly regional. It's probably going to be, it's not necessarily streamed online or anything, correct? No, we've talked about that, but it's it, like for, for people's privacy right now, sure. we're not streaming it online. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Thank you for touching on that. We were yeah. going to ask, so we appreciate you yeah. <laughs> you bringing that up too. And, and, and maybe one one thing I wanted to, to kind of bring around is we've talked a lot about things that you've both learned or ways that you've both grown, and and all, almost all, if not all, of the the concepts we've talked about are really relevant, not just in non monogamy, but in really any relationship. It could be a friendship, a family member. And they're really not even relationship concepts. A lot of them are just personal growth, understanding who you are. And and I think it's just important to highlight the the last time we talked, you were many, many years into non-monogamy and three years into polyamory and still were not, didn't have words for any of these things. And so I think just... For, for anyone listening, like giving yourself a little bit of a break that yeah. like, okay, you're, yeah. you're six months in and you haven't read the ethical slot, poly secure more than two, <laughs> I, every single book under the sun. And listen, you, so you're, you're struggling to understand some of these things. And like, we're still struggling. You were struggling after three years and now five or six or seven no, years in. Yeah, absolutely. So you're still, you're still learning and, and growing. So it's, I, I don't know that there was an exact question other than maybe like, what are some of the personal growth pieces that each of you have come up against and how you've worked through those? Because there's just so much mm-hmm. that, that we've all experienced in the last four years. So there's a book, I have it not in front of me, so I, I'd have to go find the title, but it's a, actually a book written by a, like somebody has a PhD in linguistics and it's about how to basically use your words and communicate and it's in a framework of how you would do it with non-monogamy but the author agrees and i agree you can use this with anybody and the concept they give is you don't learn from just experiencing you learn from reflecting on your experiences and they say how you do that which i try to do i don't do it as much as i should but i try to journal These journals are kind of like the the analogy I'll give is like the game film. And if you are an athlete and you have blank tapes instead of actual tapes of your game film, you're not going to keep getting better. Those journals are like my game films that I can go back and reflect on. For me, sometimes the journal is something as simple as writing one or two sentences in the little notes app in my phone. Recording a voice memo safely while I'm driving. Ideally, it's actually me with pen to paper in a, in a handwritten journal. But then I set that aside if I'm kind of stressed out. And then the next day or a week later, I might come back to and go, what was I thinking there? What do I mean? And that might be stuff that can then be a developed thought. I might share in our couples therapy or have a conversation with Kat. So that's something that I know helps me and I try to do. Even myself, I probably should do it more. But I think that's a tool that I probably really wasn't using or didn't understand as much four years ago. And for me, I learned by making mistakes. And I'm like, oh, don't do that again. Um, Or, yeah, that was okay, even though I made a mistake. So 
I, I tried the journaling. It wasn't for me. It's not going to be for everybody. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Making the mistake for me is the way that it ingrains in my brain to not repeat that again. I don't remember where I was in 2018. You might remember, Kat. But I used to be the kind of person, I know definitely before 2018, that if I had a thought in my mind that I wanted to share with Kat, brain, mouth, out to her instantly. I wasn't aware of if she was ready to hear it, if she had just gotten home from work and was frazzled. If I had a thought, I would call her if she wasn't home. Hey, let's talk about this thing. Now I'm like, let me journal it. Let me think about it. Maybe I'm going to sleep on it, look at it the next day, see if she is available, kind of get her consent to talk to her about it and share it with her. That was definitely something we worked on in therapy. Yeah. Because I was like, I I can't, I can't always be on like that Mm -hmm. and I'm not ready for it. And, And then even then when he would have it on his mind, he'd want my answer right away. And I definitely need to marinate on things first before mm-hmm. I respond to them. So it, did, it wasn't working very well. And I want to say in 2018, I was either just learning that concept or it was still kind of abstract. Now it is something that I am comfortable and is my preference. And I would say even Kat has gotten used to me going, um, I'll get to you later. I'm still kind of thinking about it. That was probably something that she never had heard from me. Well, five if years in ago. the past, if he'd said something like that, I'd be like, I did something wrong. It was right. <laughs> I messed up and I, it would take it on as like this guilt thing. And now I know it's just part of his processing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we may have learned this one as well. I was, I was like, you, you two are describing some very close to home things for us. And yeah, our approach it's is. A, it's not just a poly thing. It's a, any kind of relationship. Exactly. Yeah. It totally is. Yeah. And our, our piece was recognizing really that we would, especially now both being home and working from home, mm-hmm. it was so easy to be like, oh, I have a thought. I'm going to walk out and talk. And then two hours later, we're like, uh-oh, we didn't get any shit done today because we just been talking about this thing. And so we, I like maybe four or five months ago, I created a Word doc. I shared Google Doc. And we basically, we have like a color-coded system where we just say, uh, would like to talk about this thing. And it's a couple of shorthand notes. And then we sort of put a rough timeline, like, hey, this needs to be talked about like now, like maybe tonight or tomorrow, or, hey, this is like in the next week or two, we need to, we need to touch on this and we need to, you know, bring this up. And so it's a place to, to store the thoughts mm-hmm. and the things that we want to talk about. And we can like give the other person links like, hey, we need to talk about buying flights home for Christmas. Here's some options or here's some screenshots and we can like put a little bit of information there and and then the other person can show up to the conversation uh ready, right? Instead of being like me walking out and being like, hey, I'm ready to talk about flights and blah and and she's like, I was reading and doing my job and now I'm trying to look at flights. And so we can we can come to conversations and be a whole lot more productive a whole lot faster. Um so it sounds like a slant on what you're doing. Google Suite's very helpful for a lot of relationship stuff. Got the calendar, shared docs, for sure. Yeah, yeah. One other thing, and so I'm thinking about it, and this was like the other half of the workshop that I learned how it applied to me personally was understanding that the differences in our desires, spontaneous desire versus responsive desire, 
wasn't something personal. I definitely 100% would say that in 2018, I would still have moments where I would take it personally, the discrepancy and desire we had. And now I understand it's just different, but it's almost now her and I are almost kind of becoming the same in a way in that I used to be standard stereotypical male spontaneous desire. A breeze blows by and I'm turned on and I have the spontaneous desire to want to have sex. I see just a picture and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. And it took me a while to understand that Kat was more responsive desire, which kind of related to her demisexuality. And I would not understand that I would take it personally. Now, and I don't know if this is because I'm getting older, but I almost have one foot in the responsive desire camp. I would say it's almost something that's probably Kat's still getting used to me now having more responsive desire. That's probably a new thing. Yeah, that makes total sense. And and I appreciate the share. And I <laughs> I I was thinking about something that you, you kind of said way at the beginning, and I meant to ask about it way at the beginning, but here we are because of amazing conversation. So the 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 question is really around Kat, you had shared at the beginning that you were kind of in a hard place and and things have sort of come to a head. And then the pandemic came and shut the world down. And a lot of, you know, anybody who listens or, or follows Esther Perel, for example, will understand the the value in having time apart is really valuable and, and really important to keeping things sort of alive and fresh and giving you a perspective, something to talk about, right? If we do everything together during the day, what are we going to talk about at the end of the day? But you two sort of talked about how the pandemic forced you to back closer. And that was possibly the thing that even maybe saved your relationship. And I was just curious if you could talk a little bit about how that worked for you two and sort of in the, I don't want to say flying in the face of of the research and the work that Esther Perel has done, because I, I think, you know, realistically, everything is on a on a spectrum of, you know, it's not just this is a hard and fast rule, but I was curious if you two could talk about that for the two of you. Yeah. I mean, I used to joke that I need to miss you. Uh, mm-hmm. I need to miss you. You're around too much. You need to. And, and I think we went too far on that spectrum of m- maybe making it where the missing was more than ever being around each other. And that led to us growing apart and making it to where you know he was making plans to try to create that distance and it was too many plans it was over planned um and we weren't planning the time together so having the pandemic shut everything down it kind of forced us to confront why why we were so far apart at that point and kind of made us actually talk to each other and really it forced me to be more open to wanting to be around it because what what else was I going to do <laughs> there wasn't anything else right. there wasn't anything else there wasn't anybody else and okay so he also almost died right as the pandemic was beginning 
his appendix, his appendix burst into like a million pieces and we had to go to the hospital and yeah, it was past the point of surgery. So I had to actually be in a hospital the first month of the pandemic for like a week. And they weren't, they barely allowed me to be there. So, you know, it was, it was a little nuanced. <laughs> yeah. There was Almost a- losing him helped a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. We, w- one thing that I'm trying to get my brain back into what I was going to say um, was that, so I work with a lot of relationships in my work as a therapist. And there are many things what we call green flags, like, hey, you should have these in your relationship. And some of them sometimes can, if you have too much of them, it can be an issue. So three Mm -hmm. of them are, you should have uh, commonality, you should have independence, and you should have balance. Ideally, the balance is you have a balance between the commonality and the independence. And we've always had the potential to have a lot of commonality. And I think as we entered polyamory, we might have overcorrected to a point of having almost too much independence where it was no longer in balance. And so the pandemic forced us almost externally to have more commonalities. We sat at home and baked bread and she took care of me and we had bonfires with the kids and we could not go and do as much of those independent things. Mm -hmm. And then as we started to come out of the pandemic, we had a lot more awareness of the, what, what, what quality instead of quantity was in both. Mm -hmm. Which is a huge point, (laughs) which, which is amazing. And then it sounds like allowed you to come out of the pandemic and letting the world opening back up and maybe maintaining that balance, reintroducing some of that independence, but not to the point where you two felt like you'd lost each other again. Yeah. It's we're more like a team now, instead of being like just two people who are on the same side of something. Yeah. And yeah, there's a difference. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. There's something that you can Google called the Sternberg triangular theory of love. You'll see this fancy triangle and the three points of this triangle. One is, Hey, do we have things in common? Do we like each other? Do we have a commitment? Do we trust each other? And the other corner is, hey, do we have passion? Do we like each other, like in a physical, sexual kind of way? It's really hard to have all three points always firing up. But I think it helped us slow down. And for example, I'll not take it personally if we didn't always like all the same things or we didn't always have the same passion desire with each other. But I would definitely say in 2017 or 2018, wasn't maybe understanding that as well. And so maybe would take it personally and go, okay, well, I'm going to go be independent and go get some of these corners elsewhere. And uh, I think the pandemic helped us see it with a wider Mm -hmm. perspective. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Well, I was going to say on that too, though, that you can imagine maintain a relationship or even a healthy relationship if one of those corners isn't isn't sort of firing if you and your partner have had that conversation like hey mm-hmm. you know there isn't you know maybe a super raw passionate desire here but we really we really love doing these things and so our relationship is going to sort of stand on these two legs mm-hmm. and we have that mutual understanding that that some of these other needs do come from other places and yep or understanding it. that 
it takes longer for someone, depending on how their desire functions, mm-hmm. to push on the gas pedal. And it yeah. just takes time and patience. And then if you throw ask and guess culture in there, knowing, hey, how do we ask for it? Or how do I guess how my partner wants to talk to me about that? It, yeah, mm-hmm. we we there's just so many factors there that we were able to slow down and practice, I would say, during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love it. I was realizing too that we haven't really d- discussed. I just wanted you to touch on this: what your relationship structure is at the moment. Like, what what does it look like? I know Kat said you have the same one of the same partners from four years ago, four and a half years ago. But what does it, it look like for you two at the moment? Yours has changed. Yeah, yeah. So mine has changed. I realize as I'm, as the as we entered and as, as the pandemic went on my career became a very significant relationship. Like my doing this job, like I actually have more joy and more energy into it now, this retirement part-time job, uh, than my previous 20-year career. So I realized that, hey, I only have so much bandwidth. So I have been very slow and intentional about not trying to offer more, uh, you know, not biting off more than I could chew, so to speak. So for me, I have been very slow this year in building connections that aren't going to like make me go underwater or promise more than I can to somebody else. So right now for me, I would say I don't have like another, if you want to call it anchor, uh, serious consummate partner right now. I would say I have connections that we have an understanding of where each other's boundaries are and where we fit. Do I love the idea of having another deep poly relationship that is consummate and takes up a fair amount of bandwidth and is bringing everybody joy? Yes. I'm just really patient about knowing that, hey, having that ability is a privilege, whether it's having the finances to do that, the time to do that. And uh, I know in myself, I'm not there yet. And so I'm hoping that maybe in a year, I'll have a little bit more free time. Um, I'll be able to put some more energy into those workshops and less energy into my clients during the week. Uh, But right now, it's a couple connections that are more manageable, and we're on the same page and boundaries and wavelength. But with the hope that one day, I have the bandwidth to offer more mm-hmm. like so yeah, yeah. but cat and my work are kind of my primary relationships right now yeah yeah it makes sense and i love too i think you know one thing you kind of described in the other conversation and, and even just touched on it here is at the beginning when you opened up to polyamory you were it was almost like you had nre for polyamory and it was like <laughs> I'm going to go on dates with everybody and anybody that I can come up with. And now you've like sort of come around and you're like, well, that was a lot of work. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a better way for me to do this. Yeah. So a lot of my friends were like, what happened to you during the pandemic? Because I kind of became an introvert for about a year and a half. I was like enjoying just staying home. And Oh, he was talking about, we're going to move to the country. We're going to move away from everything. And We'll just have a our little quiet patch of nothing in the country 
there was a phase and where that's I just, not like him at all. Yeah, there was a phase where I'm like, let's <laughs> go off the grid into this quiet wilderness. It was a phase. <laughs> and I'm always like, okay, all right, you go ahead and like research that. I know it'll pass. <laughs> and so it has passed. And I'm back to being social, but at a measured level. Yeah. Knowing that my bandwidth is already deducted with my nest and our kids and work. And hopefully I can have some responsible bandwidth come back in the next year. Like yeah. I, I definitely am aware of that now and I'm much more patient about that. And so if I have a friend who is wants to go in a day is interested, I'm like, hey, we're all going to this uh, mm -hmm. tiki bar night. You're welcome to join us, but I don't have the energy to like go on a one on one date and start another relationship. Whereas the me of 26 and 2017 would have been saying yes to everything. And I would have six out of seven days of the week full in the calendar. And yeah, I, I, I understand my own limits now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or you'd plan the date on the same night as the Tiki. I can do both. I would I can, go to the Tiki for oh an hour God. and then I'll go on it. I would <laughs> double and triple book my days where I'm like, hey, I got a date at 10 and I can make a date at two. And, oh, yeah, I, I can do something at seven. No, <laughs> I, I do. And maybe it's just because I'm getting older, but it's like, I'll do one thing a day. <laughs> at least that's where I am. <laughs> you go to run and then. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yesterday I did a 5K and then an event. So that was an exception. But I guess for <laughs> me, I don't want to have multiple days where I feel like I really have to engage and connect with people. I didn't have mm -hmm. to connect with anybody very deeply at a 5k. And I have to connect yeah. with anybody very deeply that night. So yeah, I, I, I definitely realize my it's quality, not quantity anymore. Yeah, getting back to that quality versus quantity, which is it's so important in all relationships with yourself and with other people to to keep that measured and in, in understand, like learn where you're at with that and what your needs are and then figure that out in your relationship. Because yeah. I think a lot of your your re relationships you have now are based more in friendship than on the passion side of things. So I think that's been a nice change too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that, yeah, I've just slowed that down. I, uh, I don't think, I don't think I used this analogy in our last podcast, but my friend's almost call it my middle name, slow s'mores, is that when people roast marshmallows, some people like to dip it in the fire, it's exciting and it burns and it's fast, but it's kind of maybe cold in the middle and they can have a bunch and they're fast. And I joke that my preference is to take my time on the edge for a few minutes so it gets really golden brown. My friends are burning up and eating three s'mores, but I'm taking my time. I prefer that, but I understand not everybody has that patience to do that yeah 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 and how about you kat you're still seeing the same person from four and a half years ago it, what is where are you at i guess in in your relationship um, it hasn't changed much they've moved they were within 20 minutes and now they've moved to the dc area so it's become a little more complicated to see them but i still i still have the commitment of once a week seeing them um, and then the other person, I just started seeing them, um, 
on occasion. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not a deep connection. It's not a regular thing or anything. We do talk a lot, yeah. but it's, it's a uh, shallow, very shallow kind of, you know, connection. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't take, it doesn't take a lot of my bandwidth. It doesn't require a lot out of me. Um, yeah. The, the, the one long-term relationship I would, I would say that there is definitely more there, but it's not a anchor kind of partner kind of relationship either. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 One thing that I have taken up as we, I don't even want to call it post-pandemic. Are we ever going to be post-pandemic? But I have taken up, it used to be something that has always been a little side thing over the years, but never something that I really invest a lot of time in, is kink. So I've always been, I would say, kink adjacent. But now it's like, hey, this is really something that I want to go do. And I would really say comfortable that it's an independent thing. Not 100% mm -hmm. cat's bag. But she supports me in that. And I would say years ago, I would have been, oh, I only want to do this at the pace that Kat wants to do in it because this is something we should do together. And now I feel really comfortable going, okay, I'm going to go do this thing. And I know you may like this thing and this thing, but not this thing and this thing. And I feel we're much more comfortable having our own independent interests now than we did four or five years ago. And I'm lazier than yeah. you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you're sitting on the beltway to definitely much more of a homebody than he is. Um, right. So I mean, but yeah, there was but, a time when I would tell him yes to everything because I didn't want to yeah. I didn't want to hurt his feelings. I didn't I didn't want to disappoint him. But I've gotten yeah. more comfortable saying no. Yeah. Well, but that a lot of that is really tied into boundary work, right? Mm -hmm. The ability to circling back to boundaries. <laughs> well, which is which is also tied into just you getting right with yourself. The ability to say, "Hey, no, you go do that. I'm not going to go do that." But I understand that, like, you'll come. <laughs> you'll probably be coming back afterwards, and we'll be okay. Versus. I'm going to agree to go do something that I don't want to do and build up resentment and yes. put this in the bag that I can use against you. Well, I went to that kink event and now you get to come do this thing that you don't want to do instead of being like, hey, have a good weekend or have a good night. I'll see you in the morning and I'm excited to see you and we'll cook pancakes for breakfast or whatever it is yeah. at the, the quality of it. And we are still a work in progress. Uh, like we still help host maybe once every other month at the local lifestyle club by our house. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like we're still friends with the owner and we do it because we're social and we'll bring friends because it's a, a place where we all can get away from the kids and the family and, and be at this dance club that has a, a BYOB bar in it and has playrooms. And so for us, it's more about the setting. We rarely would go there to like meet strangers, so to speak. But the process is I used to be such an asker that now Sometimes I maybe even overcorrect and go, I don't want to ask Kat for something because my default is she's going to feel uncomfortable saying no. So for now, I'm just kind of like chill about it. And so sometimes she'll have to be like, hey, like, aren't you going to ask me? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. Why do you want something? How about you ask? <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then when I, then I read her, her guest going, oh, OK, let's let's go. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. That's well. That's from being together for twenty years. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. When you have that long term relationship, too, for sure. Like you, yeah. <laughs> Which makes the asking and guessing right, and it, it is almost. I mean, she kind of knows that I know, but it, we're also in this place of we're working on the communication. And so, yes, I do know what you want, but can you ask for it? And can, yes, can I meet you? Yes, I can meet you and we can get there together, but we're both pushing each other in ways that we never have before. And part of it is we didn't have language around a lot of this. Mm -hmm. And we were just like, ah, she just doesn't want to go do this thing because she's not asking instead of understanding like how our brains are different and Mm -hmm. That takes apparently 17 or more years of relating together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, even to this day, there will be times where she might be uncomfortable still saying no, or she might not realize that if she says no, I'd be like, okay. Because just as recently as maybe four or five years ago, I might have had this low key pouty face or something. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. well, and to tie that again back to boundaries, yeah. Now, Cat knowing that if she says no, that you're okay, maybe going and doing something on your own. Mm-hmm. Saying no is a whole lot less scary because you're not going to. One of you is not going to do something that you don't want to do and cause resentment, and you're okay saying, "Oh no, great, we can still both do the things we want to do." Your no doesn't mean a no for EJ. And I, I, I had to do a lot of work on resentment because mm-hmm. I would say, uh, and, and it is a lot of work in therapy. So it's not something I did on my own at all. Yeah. Great yeah. point. We have the benefit uh, yeah. of 20 years of experience and then sometimes the curse of 20 years, sometimes of little mistakes. Yes. Or big ones. Or big ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and the resentment that that builds up on both of you for different reasons and you having to like tear that down and go to the foundation and be like, okay, uh, this isn't working. What we got to understand these and this, these things and try to do this differently. Which is a reminder sometimes for people that are exploring non-monogamy is that, and it's mentioned in that PolySecure book, check how safe your, your safe harbor is. Because sometimes if you both are off doing your own things, you're just kind of, sweeping some things under the rug and you're both happy off in your own corners and then you're you might lose your balance mm-hmm. which uh, we totally did probably yeah yeah we totally did <laughs> yeah we had we had no balance yeah. so thanks yeah. pandemic yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh, yeah there were some like some benefits to the pandemic i would say like <laughs> yeah. perspective for perspective sure. yeah that's probably the biggest benefit yeah yeah for sure well, this has been amazing, of course. Thank you both. We could talk, I'm guessing, for many more hours, but we wanted to be respectful of your time. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to get out into the world today before we let you go? And EJ, I know you've talked a bit about your work. Is there a way people can find you and learn more if they're interested or have more questions? Sure. Well, what, what I will mention is that the workshop that the two of you just attended my colleague and I are going to be repeating it on February 11th. It's, um, I believe, still going to be at 9 a.m. East Coast time, and it's online. And then we are doing the, we're unveiling a, like, level two uh, workshop April 1st. Those are both Saturday mornings, East Coast time. And I can uh, get you the link that you can put mm-hmm. um 
It's for yeah. couples, for individuals. Yeah. It's for yeah. We we got some really good feedback. Some people were really happy, and it's very. It's we try to create a as safe a space as we can for both monogamous and non-monogamous or people who are questioning. And so uh, we're we're hoping to continue that. That is something that gives me energy. I don't feel drained after those. My colleague and I were both really excited and actually went out to tiki drinks and kind of celebrated with friends that, hey, we, you know, we're really happy. This was our second iteration. And um, that's that that would be that. And um, as far as the mid-Atlantic here, the the group that meets every other month, uh, that you could still find if you use FetLife. And I believe it is pods, P-O-D-S, like a hyphen Maryland. Um, and that is kind of a, an access for people. It's more public. And then if they want, they can get more details from their message there. If they want to access the secret unlisted for people's privacy Facebook group. That's a very welcoming is, <laughs> Yeah. Is, is the only way to get in there through fat life for, for, I guess for anybody who's maybe interested in poly, but doesn't really want to create a fat life account. Yeah. Or yeah, interested in non-monogamy. Um, they, so the next meeting, which is, um, going to be in January, let's see, I don't know if we're, if this will have aired by then, but it'll probably be in mid, mid to late January. So it'll, we'll get it out right before the other workshop. Okay. Uh, well, this, they meet every other month. The next one will be March 6th. In March 6th, it meets in Columbia, Maryland at, uh, there's a place called Union Jacks. And, uh, it's, uh, 6.30 p.m. East Coast is when it starts in person. But the first hour is like mingling. Then there's an hour of conversation. And then people are mingling after. The March 6th one is going to be about safer sex. And we have a, uh, healthcare professional who has come to all of our events for the last five years, giving this every year they update it on the latest and greatest. And they're going to even have updates on how COVID can affect people's sexuality and what are the things you want to ask your doctor when you, you, know, you want to get an STI screening. And so they update it because things change science-wise every year or so. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the next awesome. one. Awesome. Well, information for all of that will be in the show notes. Yeah. And thank you both. Thank you so much. Is there... And yes, just a quick plug. We did attend your intimacy workshop this weekend and it was fantastic. So we would encourage anyone listening to attend the next one. And, uh, well, I was in two, the, the, a lot of the things that we talked about today are covered in that. And this yeah. wasn't even an intentional, um, uh, it was serendipitous yeah. that, that, that this <laughs> conversation went the way it did. So. When, when my, when my colleague and I helped create the content, we intentionally created the content. I'm like, what are the the foundational things that people need to understand? I came at it from understanding your partner's communication culture, and my colleague came at it from understanding uh, the the science, the nature and nurture of desire and sexuality, and how bringing those two together can kind of create a bridge. So uh, it was definitely a, a nice collaboration that you you both got, and I appreciated the the feedback and the interactions. We didn't have to do all the talking. We really enjoyed how everybody got to learn from everybody's perspective, including yours. 
Yeah, it was great. So thank you for doing that work and for coming back on. Is there anything else that you guys would like to mention before we let you go? No. Thank you so much for having us again. It's been great. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your day. And, and we're, we're back. back. Oh, nailed it. It's been a while. It has been a while. <laughs> that was fun, right? <laughs> Too soon? Uh, We've killed that joke, Emma. Uh, you gotta let it go. It's an ongoing joke. You gotta let it go, though. Thank you so much, EJ and Kat, for coming on again a second time, four and a half years later, almost five years. We were so excited to talk to you and love the updates and love the conversation. Just a quick reminder, go check out the intimacy workshops that EJ is co-hosting with Rachel. Um, They're coming up on February 11th or on April 1st. And links to sign up are in the show notes. Go check them out. Check it out. We also have a virtual meet and greet tomorrow. That's January 19th. So you're going to want to not miss that. Definitely don't miss it. No, come join us. We'd love, 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 love to have you. And next weekend, the weekend of January 28th, we are doing an in-person community retreat for anybody who is a member of our virtual community. They get to come and be part of it in person. So there is more information posted on our website. Again, all of this stuff, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You'll find your way around. Yeah. We believe in you. Yeah. And next week, we have an amazing conversation. With Casey. With Casey. So come back in a week and listen then. Can I can I share why I think this one's so amazing? Go for it. Because the topic is hot wifing. Mm-hmm. And one would think, oh, it's just one of those. But it is, like, it is so deep. It's, like, very little about hot wifing and sex and so much about relationship and the journey that that Casey and her partner went on together. Yeah, it's an amazing conversation. And that's and that's not to assume that all people who do hot wifing are just shallow, vapid beings. <laughs> oh my gosh, that you're was, like you're like digging yourself a hole. I'm digging here, out of the hole, and you're trying. I'm to get digging out, out of the hole, but I feel like you're just digging. Further. I'm digging out of the hole <laughs> to say that this conversation blew my mind, and I loved it, and so I'm really excited for it. it that is. was the whole point. It is. It was amazing, and we're excited to get it out there next week. Next week should be fun. And I think that's it. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.